The Holy Gospel according to Matthew. Glory to you, O Lord. When Jesus heard that John had been arrested, he withdrew into Galilee. He left Nazareth and went to live in Capernaum by the sea in the region of Zebulun and Naphtali. This was to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet Isaiah, land of Zebulun and land of Naphtali, along the road by the sea beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles. The people who live in darkness have seen a great light, and for those living the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. From then on, Jesus began to preach, Repent, because the kingdom of heaven has come near. As he was walking along the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who was called Peter, and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. Follow me, he told them, and I will make you fish for people. Immediately they left their nets and followed him. Going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and his brother John. They were in a boat with Zebedee, their father, preparing their nets, and he called them. Immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. Now Jesus began to go all over Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the good news of the kingdom, and healing every disease and sickness among the people. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. You may be seated. And let us pray. Gracious God, send forth your spirit by the power of your word to create faith, to forgive sin, and to grow our love for you and for one another. Amen. Well, we need light to be able to see. And I know most of you are going, well, yeah, duh, pastor. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I never took physics, so I don't know much about it. But we need light to be able to see. That's actually how our eyes work. Light reflects off an object, gets refracted by the lens in your eye, goes to the retina, goes to the brain, and suddenly, ta-da, you can see. It's why when it's darker outside, our pupils get what? About this big. So we can suck in as much light as we possibly can. So we can see where we're going. And it's interesting I say that because we've just heard twice now a reading from Isaiah 9, once from Isaiah and once in Matthew, where it says the people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those people, the light has dawned. It should mean something more to us when we hear that we need light in order to be able to see because quite often our eyes can deceive us. How many of us have woken up in the middle of the night and been freaked out because something sitting in the corner of your room that's been there for 20 years makes you think it's the boogeyman? Like it's something that's been there forever. And you're like, ah! And then you realize it's the coat rack that your dad gave you like forever ago. And you're like, oh, okay. <sighs> All right. Or as a scuba diver, you learn that, that the water can't allow certain spectrums of light to get through the farther you go down. And the first one to go is red. And so you'll be at a certain depth underwater and you'll be looking and you go, wow, that's a pretty brown fish. And you realize it's actually red. You can't see exactly what it is that you think you should be seeing. And often that is the case for us. Often we think we see something. We totally think we know this is what we see. This is going to be exactly what we want it to be. We think we know that it's going to go exactly where we want it to go. And then it doesn't. And then it's gone. We wonder, did we actually see what we thought we saw? Did we actually see or know for sure exactly what it was that we thought happened? 
And that's one of the dangers. Jesus comes into the world as this light, and we are warned about this fact that more often than not, we're walking in darkness, and we need that light to shine for us to be able to see. That's why Paul warns, for instance, in 1 Corinthians 1, he speaks of the most major sin that we usually find ourselves committing that we don't even think about, the sin of division, the sin of faction. He just got done telling them all these things that God has done for them, that God is doing for them, and God will continue to do for them. And then he says, now, hold on just a second, though. You're really bugging me with this one thing. And then he says, one of you has a Paul. One of you has an Apollos. One of you has a Cephas. Maybe some of you has a Jesus. But we get ourselves attached to certain things. Politicians, skin color, age, money, house, car, whatever. A church, a pastor, doesn't matter. And you hear Paul speak to us saying, did any of those things die for you? Did any of those things bear your sins on the cross? And it causes us to sit here and go, no. And those are the things that we want to grasp hold of because walking in the darkness, if you've ever walked in the dark, you usually hold on to the very first thing that you can feel. And you trust that that is going to be there for you. And that's one of the dangers that we have of our lives is that we go through our life thinking that we see certain things and we will just see exactly whatever it is that we think we can see when we need to have the dawning of Jesus come to us and enlighten us, enlighten our eyes so that we might see. It's the reason why Jesus comes preaching the sermon that most of us don't like, repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. We don't like that word repent because the picture that we have is the dude with the sandwich boards that says turn or burn. And we first think that he's advertising a local burger shop but actually repent just says, turn. You're looking in the wrong place. Look to me. You're, you're holding on to something over here. Hold on to me. Because all those other things will fail you. All those other things that you place your trust in, that you think are solid, there are things that can take away your sin, things that can forgive you, things that will hold you up and bring you life, all those things will fail you. And Jesus says, I'm here. It's what he says when he says the kingdom of heaven has come near. It stands as something completed. It's the perfect tense in the Greek. It's not something that, well, it was momentary there or it's momentary over here. He says, if you're looking for the kingdom of heaven, if you're looking for the working of God, you look to me, he says. It's completed in me. And so when Paul comes to us later in 2 Corinthians and he says, we walk by faith, not by sight. It's one of the most difficult things for the Christian because we can find so many things to place our trust in. We would rather trust in things we can see than trust in things that we can't. And it's one of the most dangerous things for us because we can find many Jesuses all over the world, but we only have one that we can't replace. And so we have to hold on to that one that has come for us. But in part also, he comes to us sometimes when we least expect them, sometimes when we're sitting on the seashore, mending our nets, holding on to that thing that defines us as what? A fisherman. And he says to us, come follow me. You're still going to be a fisherman, but I'm going to change a little bit of this. I'm going to take that thing that maybe you think it defined you, and I'm going to have you defined by me, but I'm going to use those gifts I've given you to do my work, he says. 
We have to hold on to those things, church, because it's those things that, that, that give us life there in Christ. Nothing else. It's Paul coming to us and saying, all that other stuff is null and void. What I bring you is the shame and the offensiveness of a cross and a Jesus who died for you. This one who enlightens us, opens our eyes to see our sin and see our need for forgiveness, to see where it is that we hold on to, to define ourselves, to measure ourselves over and against somebody else. And Christ says, no, your life is in me. And he gives it to you freely. He gives it to you from his table. He gives it to you in baptism. He gives it to you in your word, in his word for you. And so we hold on to that as the sure and certain hope. That's what church is for. Sometimes we want to come here and just feel warm fuzzies and go to brunch and and all those other things. Church is here for Christ to be Christ for you again. For if you doubt there's bread and there's wine for you to remember that that Jesus who is on the cross is always that Jesus on the cross for you. Broken and bleeding and dying and then rising for you. Thanks be to God. Amen.